Yo, 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 yo. All right, all right, all right. What's up, everybody? So today is um, Wednesday, January 22, 2020. 22-2020. 1-22-2020. This episode is brought to you by the power of Netflix. Binge watching. Uh, some really good juicy um, drama. And what I feel is a phenomenal three episode, three short movie miniseries. Miniseries? I guess. That's what you could call it. I don't know what's the exact title of it. But it's three episodes of Netflix's Dracula. Um, I don't know if it's, it's not a remake, obviously. But I, you know, the Netflix is directly. I just fi- I finished watching it in like two days, and I couldn't have been more. Like I give the show like a nine out of a ten. It's that good. I mean, if you like Dracula and you like tying him into things, and you like a little bit of the mystique about him, and you like a little bit of the just the lore in general. Like I like, like I said, I like um, I like a lot of different Dracula. Stories, except for Twilight. I don't really dig that vampire movie, vampire werewolf movie. Um, but for the most part, I do like Dracula. Dracula is a character I think that if you really sit down and look at, you know, it comes to the age-old question: like, what would you give up for eternal life? You know, to stay alive. You're gonna obviously lose friends, family, loved ones. You know, isolation. You know, the nature of the beast as it was, like... What is Dracula? He, you know, he kills everybody he touches, basically. You know, even his brides, they... You know, they're not him, so they're susceptible to dying... In a normal fashion, other than Dracula. So, you know, the inability to reproduce... You know, and just living the long life, man. The older I get, the worse it seems. Immortality or living forever. It seems like it'd be more of a chore. And that's what you got to take into consideration. You know, back in, like, when I was younger. And I don't know, maybe it was not necessarily, like, the conscience of humanity hadn't caught up to immortality yet. But immortality must fucking suck balls, bro. Um, you know, at the speed in which technology has crept along now versus what it was like, you know, 500 years ago. There's very similar but very different um, things happening. I mean, could you imagine being in like the 1400s, the 1300s, the 1200s, even the thousands when... Depending on which iteration of Dracula you want to follow. But let's say you were born in like the year 1246. Imagine being stuck with having to muck up cow shit, grow your own crops, freeze your ass off in the winter, no lights, no TV. Living like a caveman for centuries, bro. I mean, 
was a while. I don't. Remember, I don't know when the wheel was invented. I don't really know when clean water was kind of started to be a thing. I don't really know when. I don't know the exact dates, but I do know that it was a long time to be stuck in that sort of life. In you know, and then you got the first wave of technology which happened to be like in England you know where they had guns and maybe you know some lights you know they had a little bit of things but I mean it's still kind of pretty much suck balls I mean there's nothing you can do in the winter I think that's what that's the most depressing thing about it and I just couldn't imagine being 500 years old and enduring that kind of shit day in and day out having to politic around keeping your identity secret for you know our superheroes now struggle with it and they seemingly they've only had to run at it for a couple of years you know like Superman Superman's secret identity is Clark Kent I mean they fumbled and bumbled that and they've misconstrued him so many ways and he's only a 60, 70 year old character. Imagine being Dracula getting stuck in a, in a period that just sucks, bro. That just sucks. You know, and I'm not saying he's a super, I'm not even saying he's a super villain. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying the older I get and I wake up every day and I'm like, damn, bro, fucking shit, shit just sucks, man. Like, immortality is not really what you want would think it would be um it would just be such a fucking bummer bro like I can only imagine like if I were to get stuck you know people right now complain about this that and the other thing but I cannot imagine fucking I'd get fucking so I would be so I'm just over it now and I'm in my 30s I would be over it if I was 100 years old I'd be like you know what put me out of my fuck you're praying for death once you get to the 80 90 100 I mean there's no there's no plateau you reach when in the human civilization where you can just sit there and do nothing even the people that have it made like I said it's not all cracked up do what it's supposed to be but Regardless, I mean, in the mystique of him not being able to see the sun, so he's only a night creature. It's only half of the day. The other half, he needs to be away from sunlight. Um, there's just so much, so much stuff. I mean, immortality just sucks ball. But the, the character Dracula, you know, even the American iteration Batman... Um, I like most Dracula stories. I don't necessarily like Batman story, but Batman is kind of in the same vein as Dracula, so it were. Um, very similar characteristics. Matter of fact, beyond similar characteristics. I mean, if you really think about it. Um, there is no difference in between the character that was portrayed in this Dracula series in the one that was or in any Dracula series for that matter and Bruce Wayne Bruce Wayne is just 
a rich guy getting richer, you know, if you look at his portrayal of uh, entrepreneur in The Dark Knight Rises or um, The Dark Knight, you see that he just buys things at will, makes it profitable, and then just keeps the money ball just at a staggering you know, monumental, like, he's beyond a billionaire, like, he just does what he wants, uh, the same thing with Dracula, um, he fights literally only an eye, Batman, you know, nobody knows his true identity, nobody knows his true identity, and much can be said for the same for Dracula, uh, he skulks, skulks, skulks around in a bat cave, Dracula has his own lair as well in Transylvania, you know, there's there's a lot of similarities um, between the characters. No loved ones, you know. Uh, the main the main differences between the two. I think Dracula kills for pleasure. Uh, I think Batman kills out of necessity at times, even though he's not supposed to kill. Um, one is to protect his city. One is kind of trying to protect and dominate the world. I mean, there is some differences, but the the character is the same. Literally the same character. Like, just to say, I could just describe the really rich billionaire dude sitting at the top of the mound. Which is why Batman, can, I don't believe, can ever truly be a superhero because he's not. Neither can Dracula. He can't be a superhero because he's not. You know, it's very same things far as i'm concerned but either way let's jump into this uh episode one is a three episode miniseries on netflix and episode one starts off great um and i like what netflix did with dracula because i think it it's a different spin on dracula than it has been portrayed in the past um this one the drinking of the blood and his victims are not exclusively female. It's not... He's just draining the life of female people. He's dra- draining them of both male and female. Um, I like the degradation that happens in the one of the characters immediately in the beginning of the episode... Um, Jonathan Harker, I think his name's Johnny Harker. You see, Jonathan Harker comes, he's the very first thing you see. Like, he wakes up and you see a man that looks like borderline, like if he had some sort of, like, I don't know, like cancerous malicious disease like ate ate him away he's got like sores on his head his fingers have sores on their fingernails and you don't know what happened to him but he says that what did happen to him was because it happened because he was hanging around Dracula and he thought that he would he he thought that he wrote an account so you get introduced 
to Sister Agatha immediately as well. And the other sister, which you don't find out, is Mina. But Mina is Jonathan Walker's fiance at the time. But he doesn't doesn't know. Now, obviously, I'm going to spoil this. But if you haven't watched it, you're not going to watch it. And if you have... It has already been like... I think it's been out for about a week. But Jonathan Walker... Uh, they begin to re- recant his story. Agatha asked him if he had sex with Dracula. And he needed to tell all the details about it. His encounter and escape from Dracula. As he begins to tell the story, the story picks off where Jonathan is fully healthy. So you get introduced to a healthy Johnny Walker. Jonathan Walker. Jonathan, I keep saying Johnny Walker. God damn it, Jonathan, Jonathan Harker. <laughs> um, Jonathan Harker is young and healthy. He's like a thirty-year-old, maybe forty-year-old man in the movie, in the miniseries, and he sets off to go. He gets summoned because he's a lawyer. He gets sets off from England to Transylvania to. Um, tend to some papers, some legal paperwork for when he comes to find out. When you come to find out immediately, he's Count Dracula. Uh, the people dump him off. Dracula's driver, which I do believe is actually Dracula himself, but they don't really say that. Picks him up and takes him to the castle. Uh, you get presented immediately with. Uh, more of an older Dracula, more of a actually a more technically sounding Dracula with a with a Romanian accent and with and, and also you know with not just a Romanian accent but also kind of like a heavy European accent, not an English accent, and you get like the OG versions. Musings of Dracula, as it were, uh, and then they begin the dialogue between the two. Jonathan and Dracula start conversating, and you know immediately, like I like what this miniseries did. There's a lot of meaningful dialogue between the characters, and a lot of things get said, and then they they have deeper meaning later on, or they have a purpose. Like, the entire initial conversation between Jonathan and Dracula are... To me, I was like... Later on in the in this, in this that same episode, I was like, bro, this is... This show is amazing. But it, the show is amazing from the jump. Um, so... They conversate at dinner. He tells him he's not leaving. He can't leave for a while. He's going to stay a month. Um, Dracula then proceeds to take him to his room. Lays down for the night. Um, he wakes up groggy as hell. Almost hungover. Uh, and then Dracula the next day is appears to be about 10 years younger. And then the, ne- the next couple of scenes, they go back and forth. A couple more dinners. Jonathan then becomes the state at which you see him in the beginning. 
or maybe just a little bit less than that. And Dracula has regained all his strength and is now a young, well-spoken English lawyer. More with lawyer technicalities to him. And basically they've 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 switched their roles. Now after some going back and forth with Dracula, they go they also hop back forward to Sister Agatha. And Sister Agatha is a character in herself. Whoever that lady is deserves a round of applause because her her performance was phenomenal as well. Um her interactions with Jonathan are are great as well. You know, he asks her, if you're a sister, how come you don't have believe in God? What is your deal with the witchcraft? And she says, well, I haven't found God yet. You know, been searching all over him. Haven't found him. There's plenty of things that the church does wrong. And Jonathan's sort of in disbelief of what he's hearing coming from another mouth. And I think that's the... I like the... I like how Agatha was a nun, but with like a really forthcoming, no-nonsense attitude, like very nun, very, I don't know even how to say it, very dominating presence, or even dominating train of thought, but either that's neither here nor there, they, their dialogue, you know, back and forth is great, then it jumps back to Dracula, you know, they're dwindling, dwindling down the conversation down to how he escaped. You want to know how what he did to escape Dracula's castle? Come to find out that you know Dracula wanted to keep him as a bride. Jonathan had already turned from the living to the undead, as they call it, not the deceased or the dead. He's just undead. He's not technically alive, nor is he dead. He's somewhere in between, and he. Dracula kills him. Uh, a little light of cross hits Dracula in the face, burns him. Jonathan falls off the ledge and wakes up at the monastery in Budapest where the story is being told in Hungary. Now, Agatha explains to him that Dracula, that had been a month, had passed by. That the sister sitting beside her was Agatha or uh, Mina, his fiance, the whole time. And at that moment, bats start swarming in, and now Dracula has arrived. He has now located Jonathan, and he's located, you know, he's made the trek to Hungary. Now, the story gets even interesting here. In the fact that you come to find out that Sister Agatha is a Van Helsing and she's well prepared for the arrival of Dracula, well prepared for you know who he is and what he is and what he can do to them. Uh, after some talking back and forth between between uh, Agatha Van Helsing and Dracula. You know, both sides subside to their quarters, and then 
Dracula is not invited into the monastery, but he eventually cons Jonathan Walker into it, and he ends up Dracula ends up slaughtering all the nuns there except for Agatha and Mina. Now, Agatha and Mina both take refuge in a cellar and they make like a fake border type of deal to keep him out like he can't cross a certain line so um he comes well actually Johnny Harker comes walking into the scene and Mina is like you know there's a little tension because that's her fiance she couldn't kill him you know he wanted to see her so they she invites Jonathan Walker in but that is indeed Dracula skinned Jonathan Harker wore his skin and came face to face with Mina and Agatha and that's where episode one ends phenomenal episode front to back phenomenal now episode two was just as phenomenal man um the story picks up Agatha and Dracula are now together um in a room playing chess trying to checkmate one another while having conversation about who he is and she is now learning him and he's trying to learn her but I think she's getting the better of him throughout the entire series she's learning from him different nuances and different things here and there now at that point the story switches from their their little conversation to a boat and the boat is now transporting certain passengers all over the I think they're going to England from different places and they're packing dirt boxes they're packing a bunch of stuff and actually I don't even think the episode starts there I think it starts with Dr. Sharma uh, grave robbing and finding out that undead exist Uh, and if you don't know the doctor and the undead and certain experiments you know you should you know Frankenstein that was a big I love how they portrayed the good doctor you know in that way um he wasn't actually the Frankenstein novel is a great novel by itself but it does have a lot of comicality to it or maybe a little bit of if you watched Van Helsing, the one with Hugh Jackman, and, I, and I'm going to go back because there is a lot of parallels, but this one is way better. The one with Hugh Jackman was more meant for kids in a sense or more for an action thriller. Um, I loved Van Helsing, the movie, when it came out. I still actually do love it, but then this rendition of it is so much more better. Um... More seemingly more like they give it a little bit more backbone to it, uh, a little bit more grounded in something that possibly could happen, maybe, maybe not. Um, 
But yeah, his character, you get introduced to him. Um, you get introduced to several new characters in the second episode that they're all traveling on a boat. Uh, Dracula boards the boat as well. And they set sail off to England. Now, the, the different players on the boat, it, it is it is phenomenal. I mean, I'm going to glance over this episode because it's phenomenal. And I watched it the second, but it wasn't the last episode I watched. But you got the Duchess of... Uh, Maybe Budapest. You've got a gay couple. You've got uh, Pitor. You've got a couple of other seafaring gentlemen on board. You've got you've got several characters on on this ship. You got the cap. You got the captain of the ship. At the time, Agatha is still in the episode, but you don't know where she's at. Um, but as this, as the episode unfolds, like the very first night, Dracula's powers—they show more of what he can do, and he summons an everlasting fog around the ship, um, and as well as. I think the very first night, one passenger goes missing. And while they think nothing of it initially, the episode moves along quite quickly and another person goes missing. But you you know who, who it is. But the cast and crew, or the crew members of the ship, and, you know, they don't know who it is. At the same time, Agatha is having an intimate chess match between... And I actually liked that kind of foreshadowing maybe for the third episode or maybe it was an intention, maybe it was an unintentional, but her chess match between Agatha and Dracula is, to me, I thought that was phenomenal as well. It's just like... The conversations they have back and forth between each other. And she's trying to understand him. He's giving up bits, bits and pieces of information. But she's trying to kill him. Um, but he's trying to kill her actually too. So then like a whole other day rolls by on the ship. And the Duchess is gone. As well as a, another crew member is just gone. And now they're down to like what was like a dozen of them. Now down to like seven of them. And they summon everybody on from the deck to the main cabin, and you know they start discussing options. What's going on? Uh, they start indicating that cabin number nine has a passenger that was not to be seen or not to be disturbed but nobody trusts nobody knows who that is so they start demanding to see who's in cabin nine that is so being so secretive so as it goes more more people disappear and now it's just the good doctor it's Pitor it's the captain 
It's Dracula. It's only it gets windowed down to like five characters. And Dracula then becomes more into focus, but at the same time he also says here, who's in Cabin 9? And he shows him who's in Cabin Cabin 9. And it comes turns out to be Agatha also figures out in the conversation she's having with Dracula that she's not actually in person with him. She's talking to him in a dream. He's talking to her in a dream. And she wakes up in time to figure out that she's on the boat in cabin nine. And Dracula immediately throws her under the rug that she's the one killing everybody. She's got blood all over her clothes, but it's actually the blood from his bite on her. And then he uses her as a scapegoat to draw, to deflect from him. But Agatha was maintained about a step ahead of him, figured out that he could not resist the temptation of blood. Uh, and that actually drove him madly hungry for the blood. So she bites her lip when she's about ready to hang from the gallows and spits it out at Dracula and he just goes into a fever. Uh, they end up releasing Agatha. She assumes the position of captain on the boat. On the boat's name is Demeter as well. Um, she best Dracula for the time being uh, she sets him on fire he goes overboard they throw off all of Dracula's boxes of dirt that he can rest in and recover except for one and she knew that that what actually what she was trying to do was actually trying to do what I, and it was trap him from the get go she's been trying to trap him I don't know why she was trying to trap him, but she was trying to trap him, not necessarily kill him. Now, at the end of the episode, uh, the doctor suffers a fatal gunshot wound. He's he's out. Also, uh, both the gay couple is both. I think they're slain. One decides to align himself with Dracula for some reason and that doesn't pan out well and then the partner believes that shooting Dracula would kill him and that didn't happen Dracula gets shot like five or six times and doesn't even flinch ends up killing that guy as well so at the end of the episode it's only Pitor the captain Agatha and one other person in the the guy with... I don't know his... I think it's Victor. I'm not... Victor or Victor. I'm not really certain who who got left, but... He... Those two hop on a, on a dinghy and flee. All that's left on the boat temporarily is Agatha. And then the captain... Uh, they hatch a plan to sink the ship with Dracula aboard. Dracula comes on board... They do trap him in a box and they sink the ship to the bottom of the ocean. 
after 123 years, Dracula emerges from... Well, actually, they don't say that. But Dracula emerges from... They make it seem as if he hit the bottom and then he popped out. But he emerges from the ocean, walks on land to be surrounded by helicopters, uh, Dr. Van Helsing, and... Uh, people with guns and cameras and vehicles. Uh, Dracula had been asleep for the beginning of episode 3 for 123 years. Flash forward to now the 123 years in future. Obviously a lot had changed. Dracula is now in a state of um, how do I want to call it? He is now He just got hit over the head. Like, he was able to keep up with the times for so long and maintain his... his nobility, maintain his... status as, you know, probably a top influence of the world as he so stated that he ate Mozart, he ate leaders, you know, kings and queens of people. When he wakes up, He's confronted with people, ordinary people, wielding guns, vehicles, uh, a barrage of helicopters, cameras, a lot of things that he knew of existence. But he, even he stated, wow, they had been moving at a very fast speed. Technology had caught up to him. In uh, this, the third episode to me is a portrayal of that. And I do believe that that's this is why this is the fundamental issue I have with well you can't have a you can't have a secret identity in this life anymore, but it's also the fundamental problem with what I had with and what I maintain to have with Batman and some of these in Superman is. It's not realistic that nobody knows who you are. You're some superhero doing these things and nobody knows who you are. Without, there's now and especially today in this day and age, there is just simply a camera everywhere. There is police everywhere. There's people with cameras everywhere. There is just too much stuff. All the time, every which way, and you're not gonna get you're not gonna get total um privacy in this life anymore. And that doesn't have nothing to do with the superheroes, but I you know a lot of superheroes of old want to maintain their their status quo of being, you know, Peter Parker struggled with it. Um then that was a big thing that all oh, they're they're trying to protect their secret identity while doing superhero work. You know, Batman struggled with it at times. Superman struggled with it at times, and I kind of felt that that story was a tad bit redundant in the movies. And it was such a refreshing take for me when I first saw Iron Man. You know, he just flat out was like, you know what, I am Iron Man. There is no hiding this. I'm Iron Man. You know, that's what to me one of the things that sets apart. The, the Marvel from DC Universe in that you know 
Iron Man just came out and was like, yo, this is me, like, just straight up swinging meat, like, swinging the, the bravado, just like, yo, this is what's up. You know, and you didn't have to go through that that vein of a story for Captain America and and Thor and the Hulk. They people knew not to fuck with them. And if they did, they were gonna get clapped. Like they were just gonna get clapped up. And and to me that's that's a phenomenal take on things. Where the superheroes don't have to worry about the saving the damsel that they're that they're secretly in love with. Um, even though that was a tad bit portrayed in Captain America, but it really wasn't. But anyways, Dracula comes to the forefront now. And a little bit of story goes a long ways. You know, you get introduced to Van Helsing, Dr. Van Helsing, which you, which you find, come to find out that it's not Agatha anymore. It's a great, that's... You come to find out that that's the great, great niece of Agatha Van Helsing. So there must have been other Van Helsings strewn in there. Obviously male and female Van Helsings, which I kind of, you know, I took that as like a a direct um, you know, a direct, you know, not a shot at, but a direct, you know, like a tip of the hat to the Van Helsing movie that existed. Um, to the other Van Helsing things on Netflix and other stories of it. There's a tip of the cap, as it were, and I thought that was phenomenal as well. Um, and they flash for you flash forward Dracula into modern day times. And to me, this is a story that hasn't been done yet. Uh, which I, you know, the the story does get a little bit sidetracked, but I think the message and and the portrayal is there of what would actually happen to Dracula if he were alive in this day and age. And not just vampires. We're talking Dracula, not not just your cheesy uh, Twilight vampire story. You know, no, not none of that. This is Dracula. This is the main cheese of the the main backbone of vampire movies. Um, I know Underworld was there too, and Underworld was phenomenal. But this is a this is a a different take on it. You know, it's more uh, centered around Dracula. Not Dracula is not some ultimate final being that's going to emerge and comes out at the last second. Not not Blade Three Dracula either. This is. Dracula for an hour in present modern times. With one sip of blood, he figures out, you know, blood is lives is another thing that he mentions. He gets caught up on a lot of current events just from absorbing people's blood. Um, and the moment he's in... I don't know, he, he wakes up or he wakes up some lady in some random ass house. And to me, this is the this was the best stuff about the episode is him being drugged down to normality, even though he's Dracula. He tells the lady, look, wow, he hadn't been in a castle with this many things. You know, she's surrounded by what he calls the talk box. 
Uh, food everywhere. You know, dishes and linens and drapes and everything. And she tells him, and he's like, and you live here? Kings and queens would have slaughtered just for a taste of this. But that's all he strived for was just that. And she turns to him and says, are you talking about this dump? And I really like that that, to me, that struck me as the main chord and the theme of the episode. And they tell you to you very early on. He is now surrounded and he's going to have trouble. At In the beginning when he was alive, you know, back in the first two episodes, he was picking and choosing the most brightest of minds. And if you go back in history, there's only so many. He he picked Mozart. He picked a couple of kings and queens. He picked some people of royalty that knew everything while the common folk knew nothing. In this day and age, the common folk know just as much as the rich folk. And now nobody... I like that the technology was used to to show him that he could not find anybody like on Tinder worthy of his time. And now he was struggling. They brought Dracula down to a more depressive state being like, you know what? Everybody's the same. He had snacks, as he was calling it, a snack. And he didn't feel full on anybody. What Nothing was satisfying his itch. And it made it seem as if he had acquired, you know, a spot to where he was going to set up a new Transylvania and continue his work. But his sidekick that he had, which I believe was a portrayal of uh, Igor, um, I thought that was a fascinating. He turned out to be a a blood-sucking fiendish lawyer. And I don't even think it's Igor. I think I don't know what his name is. I'd have to go back and check. But he's in, tasked with finding suitable partners that don't drink. Dracula has a whole set of rules. And now it's like speed dating, but on crack. And this guy is checking off people after people after people after people after people. And none of them are suiting Dracula's needs. Um, he's not gaining any. He's not gaining anything from all these normal people that have normalized. He he can't he can't get he can't get ahead to a point where he can inherit somebody's certain wealth. Uh, and I'm certain if the story would go on, um, the possibilities would maybe he would. But either way, he gets captured. He gets sent to Jonathan Harker Memorial Hospital. He gets captured. Um, And then... Zoe Van Helsing draws blood from him. Uh, She's trying to study his blood. When you come to find out that now the world is as it is. Cancer is a huge issue in our civilization. And Dracula in his blood holds the key to immortality or at minimum something in his blood that can block cancer, can block um, certain diseases that 
affect the blood, affect the the human body. And now they're trying to get his blood to figure out how to make everyday man have those things at, at the ready. And I think they don't flat out say it, but I do believe that Mina Murray or maybe one of her or Jonathan Harker... The research facility is a tad bit like Umbrella and where they're trying to monopolize or either weaponize um, either a cure for those things or a weapon against other people. And Dracula senses it right away. He demands his release. He get, eventually gains his release. Uh, you get introduced to the last set of main characters. Uh Jonathan Harker's great 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 grandson, uh, and I can't think of the main lady's name is L.W. But she falls in love with Dracula, sort of, and her portrayal of beauty ultimately leads her down the road to Dracula sees beauty in her that's beyond just skin. Um, he eventually convinces her to die. And she comes back to life as a burnt undead. And the grand finale is set up that now Zoe has consumed a tad bit of Dracula's blood. She gains the knowledge of all the past lives that he's consumed. And now she has figured out a way of how to now stop Dracula. And the season in the series ends basically with her. She has cancer. She now knows how to be Dracula. How to offer him the death that he's probably been wanting. Um, which I can imagine. That's why I said back in the main. That's why I talked about a little bit about immortality. He's probably sick of fucking living. If you can't die or you're unafraid of dying. And you don't know how to die. And I think it was abundantly clear that he didn't know how. Um, to die. There was no... He wasn't going to get stabbed through the heart. That worked on his rides. He wasn't going to get burned to a crisp. That was... Uh, clear as day from the time he... Was burnt on the mountaintop with, John, with Johnny Harker. Um, he had actually seen the sun on TVs and he adored her. So he had gotten his feel of everything. There was nothing left for him to do. Um, but die. And now. Zoe Van Helsing figured out how to kill him. Um, cancer as it turns out. Is a hell of a fucking disease. And. She offers him. The chance to. Die. And he. Jumps on it. And that's where I kind of find that ending to be a fulfilling ending for his storyline I do think there is other storylines because I don't believe that there is he is the only undead or he is the only vampire to exist um, two of his brides were still stuck in the box they could have easily fed uh, there is the possibility that Mina Murray and her wonderful foundation had found other Dracula-esque characters or even werewolves so I do believe Netflix is going to continue the Dracula series and possibly even bring back the main character. 
possibly bring back Agatha or Zoe Van Helsing. Um, there's a lot of side story there. And I think they're going to build it. And I think it was phenomenal. I mean, like I said, I, I really enjoyed it. I gave it like a 9 out of a 10. Maybe a high 8, 8.5 out of 10. Uh, phenomenal. I like how they went from the old to new. They got a lot of story in. But ultimately, yeah, I think if we look at it now, you know, I'm going to live hopefully till I'm 7 or 8. And at that time, I don't mind tapping out. Because I'm already like at the point where shit is just fucking... A headache and a half, and I'm only in my mid thirties. Not that I'm at some sort of midlife crisis, but I kind of feel like if I were to live three hundred years, and I'm only at the age of thirty, or if I was gonna live five hundred years, I might take a gun to my own goddamn fucking head. By the time I was like a hundred and fifty, maybe even a hundred, maybe even I don't know, two hundred, I would be like, you know what? I would be searching for a fucking way to kill myself because that is just. In too much bullshit, and I literally think that was the message portrayed in this. Um, Dracula had a way out, and he he seized it. He just took he took the opportunity to do it. He didn't know. I think initially you're scared of dying. You know there was that little bit, but actually the sun, nor a stake, nor a cross, none of that garlic was gonna actually subdue him. He had just built off of so many years of believing that that that's eventually became his truth and thus he did not know how to die um not that he was going to die anyways but he didn't know how to and you come to find out that Van Helsing found a way of how to kill him and he took advantage of it he killed her and in doing so he killed him himself and the story ended Right then and there. Um, three part. It's going to take you three, four hours to watch. I watch it. It's phenomenal, man. Phenomenal. I loved it. Um, front to back, I, I didn't... I did not... I was fully engaged for those couple of hours. I mean, like I said, phenomenal, phenomenal on my end. I mean, I give it two thumbs up. I mean, I don't know what critics think of it. I don't know what other people think of it, but I, I thought it was phenomenal um i'm still watching the expanse i want to watch the mind of aaron hernandez uh there's a couple of things i want to watch on netflix and a couple of things coming up as well the super bowl is now set in stone kansas city Chiefs versus the 49ers and if i gotta go with the early favorite i'm gonna go with the 49ers because the defense just seems like it's too good and, well i don't know i mean their defense is good but kansas city offense might be better it's too many people to cover, but we're going to find out. This is strength A against strength A. It's best offense, probably, versus best defense. As you know, defense wins championships. We'll see how this shakes out. I believe the Super Bowl will come down to who has the ball last. Um, this this Super Bowl, to me, I think is going to be more entertaining than, the, than it has been in a couple of recent years. Um, number one, it's not the Patriots being represented. Uh, and I think we're headed for a track meet. I think the score is going to actually this time be another 30 to 30, 37, 34 type of, day, type of game. Um, we're going to get interceptions. We're going to get fumbles. We're going to get big sacks. We're going to get, you know, big hits. And that's the thing that was missing 
in the Patriots and Eagle games, even though it was a high scoring, it was more lackluster on defense. People were just chucking the ball all over the place. This one's going to have big sacks. This one's going to have big hits. This one's going to have fumbles. This one's going to have picks. This one's going to have 50-yard runs. This one's going to have, you know, this one's going to have some big moments in it. And ultimately, I think it's going to come down to who has the ball last. Um, I have the, per- the team that has the ball last is down. They got a score. You know, it's going to be interesting down to the last second. Yeah, but I got the 49ers edging out the Chiefs. Uh, not in the nail biter, but I think it, I don't think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be close, but I don't believe it's gonna come. I don't believe the game is gonna be tied and going overtime. No, but I do believe it's gonna have a lot of like whoa kind of moments to it. Uh, a lot of a lot of. You know, they're gonna be it's gonna be a better Super Bowl. And I feel like the commercial is gonna be better this year. I think now that the NFL I think is this is the first year I think the NFL is gonna realize that the Patriots don't have to go to the Super Bowl. Um Green Bay Packers and the Saints and other teams don't need to go to the Super Bowl every year. And we're they're gonna get some top they're gonna get some teams in there that make sense that are actually gonna play with a lot of heart. So I think the Super Bowl is going to be good. A lot of the Raider fans uh, are benching about it. they don't want the Chiefs to win. They don't want the Niners to win. But to be honest, in my book, by my calculations, uh, the Chiefs haven't won a Super Bowl in 50 years. They hadn't even been back. Uh, do I think they're going to win? No, only because they don't. to me their defense is suspect. And I think the 49ers' offense is more than capable of scoring points, but their defense is more than capable of stopping Kansas City. And I believe that Kansas City will ultimately be defeated, but the Raider fans are not happy because the 49ers. But to me, the four, the unless you live in the Bay Area, the rivalry between the 49ers and the Raiders, to me, doesn't necessarily exist. It's not as crazy as you think it would be. Uh, I've been to the Bay Area, and I don't, you know, I don't not there on street level, but I can tell you, I can tell you one thing: if the Forty ers had what they do now, have four or five championships, and are looking for six, and the Raiders had zero, it would be bad. But as it is, the Raiders have three. The Forty ers have five. There was plenty of winning between the two teams. Uh, in the olden days, and, and you know what? That's just the way it goes. I mean, the Raiders now can hopefully get it together and win a couple here in the next couple of years. So I have rather do believe that the 49ers are going to win, but I don't really care. I'm not rooting for the 49ers. I'm not actually rooting for anybody, but I think the game is going to be a lot more better than the Snorefest that was the Rams versus the Patriots. Fucking 10-3 to was the score, or 13-3. to with only one touchdown score. The Snorfest that was last year will be a blip in the radar. Both in the game, the commercials, and I think the overall experience of the Super Bowl this year will be 20 times better. Um Yeah, uh that's what it that's what I see. And that and like I said, that's coming up in a few weeks. I'll probably do a, a game summary of that as well. Uh, also, Conor McGregor was gifted a, a win over Donald Cerrone. 
And actually, I kind of figured that was going to happen because I had in my mind that, you know what, the UFC needs something biggish, not to stay relevant, but they need to put themselves on the map like all the time. And Ronda Rousey took off the Chris Cyborg never fruition. They didn't they didn't uh groom her enough with enough cupcake matches. Um Brock Lesnar dipped out. You know, Chuck Liddell is no longer in the sport. Uh Conor McGregor had suffered a number of defeats. Uh Nate Diaz, Floyd Mayweather, Khabib. I felt as if the UFC was like, we need our star back. Let's give him a match that we're more than, I think like 80% sure he's going to win. Maybe even 90%. Maybe even 100 I don't think it's that rigged. But I do I do believe even if it had gone to decision, it would have been like a unanimous Conor McGregor win. And I just think Cerrone, Donald Cerrone is good, but he is not top level. Um, as it is, the top level fighter is Khabib, and Khabib completely destroyed Conor McGregor, and you know, you know that story. Floyd Mayweather destroyed him. Nate Diaz actually destroyed him, and I think twice. Um, that's what it is. But they needed their. They needed their. The UC needed another face in. There's another. Connor's in there fighting a couple, like, fight or two a year. Uh, they're trying to bring up Amanda Nunez, let her have a little run. You know, they're trying to get, you know, a couple of things in order. And that way they can maintain a steady diet of top-end fights year in and year out. John Jones is finally coming back. Hopefully he stays back. But... I kind of, like I said, I kind of figured that was happening, so I didn't really watch it, but I heard you knocked him out in 40 seconds, and you know what? I kind of feel as if that was, that was a given, and that, that was, you know, that was kind of almost a given. Like I said, it was a gift. Now, you know, as I say, it was a gift, so I, I wasn't really interested in watching. I don't, I'm not really a Conor McGregor fan. A lot of people are. I'm not sh- exactly sure of the hype. To me, what I do see in Conor McGregor that people people do like is he talks a lot. Uh, he talks a lot, and he's Irish. Um, so a lot of people... I don't know the... I don't want to say white people like it, but a lot of people kind of like... You know, they kind of like... You know, like... White people don't have that much white people to root for in the realm of sports, let alone boxing. Like boxing, there is no chill, heavyweight white dude that's knocking people out. It's just not there. Um, Tom Brady, if you ever watch his pressers, he's almost, he's shrewd like, like Belichick. He's got that shrewdness about him. Uh, he's not much of a talker, so the white people can't hype up, hype him up. Um, but Conor McGregor is one of these rare birds where he's white. He talks a lot, and f- sometimes he does win. 
uh, and the white people just are really enthusiastic because they can stick their chest out. And I think it's a white person thing because I don't know very many black people that like him. I don't know any Mexicans that like him. Frankly, I don't really know. That's why I can't figure out why people like Conor McGregor. But he's sort of relevant. I think he's a big money uh, drawer. But either way, um, that is, you know, what happened on the sports on that end. And with that, I'm going to wrap this episode up with... Uh, I got things coming up, so we're going to... I gotta, I'm going to watch Underwater, finally. Maybe on the big screen. Uh, I watched it on a little screen, but... I am going to try to watch it in theaters and give it a, a full review. So, stay tuned. Uh, and I'll be back soon. Laters. <laughs>